You guys know I love Gooder sunglasses. I've been wearing them for years. Uh, I've, I've been collecting them basically at this point because, you know, they got all these different styles and they're so affordable. They're 25 bucks a pair. They're, there's no slip, no bounce. They're all polarized. They're, they're fun. You, you know, you have one pair for the beach. You have one pair for riding your bike. You have one pair to maybe go out to a, you know, a, a club. I don't know, a day club. Do you go to day clubs? That doesn't sound like a right thing to do. Uh, hey, they got a new frame, though. This is what I'm here to talk about. The Pop G. Pop art for your face. It's it's fashion. It's fashion on your face, guys. No slip, no bounce, just like all the other types of pairs. But uh, these are cool. Like, I want to I get a pair myself. Like, I, I have too many already, but I, I feel like I need to get these also. Vanguard Visionary, New Wave Renegade, Born to be Envied, Pop Art Prodigy, the mod one out. It sounds like the Pop G is a whole group of styles, so you can get all these different frames within the Pop G family. So that's pretty cool. Check those out, guys. Uh, and, you know, if you need sunglasses, this is the way to go. You don't have to worry about losing them. They're, they're 25 bucks, and, uh, you know, you, you just grab another pair if you need them. But uh, like I said, I've been collecting them because uh, I can't get enough of these Gooder sunglasses. If you want to support our show and try a pair, Gooder is giving Never Not Funny listeners free shipping. You can go to Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Again, that's Gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Hey, guys. Jimmy Pardo here to talk to you about PXG. Now, listen, I wore this shirt uh, at a, a golf outing recently. and it, the, the way I described it is that uh, I felt like I wasn't wearing a shirt. That's how comfortable this thing was. PXG makes great golf clubs. We all know that. But what they also do is make great apparel. Uh, it's made with premium materials, technology designed for peak performance. Didn't help my performance, but I looked good. That's the important thing. You want to look good better than, than the way you golf. Is that a thing? PXG has something for everybody. Pants, polos, sweaters, hats, quarter zips, joggers, jackets, dresses, skirts, everything you could want. I loved it. Uh, I've got a second shirt that I can't wait to wear when I go golfing a second time, if my body allows me to. But, you know, I'll tell you what, with these shirts, I might as well just walk around the clubhouse and let people take a look at me and go, look at that stylish-looking guy, but his golf game is on point. Literally, they know. No, it's not. Hey, elevate your style game on and off the course with PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash pardo. Use code pardo at checkout and save 10% on all apparel. That is pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo to save 10% on apparel. pxg.com slash pardo. Code pardo. PXG. Grip it and wear it. Did you know learning actually makes a sound? It's true. Listen. That's the sound of you learning a new language with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I love Babbel. I, I feel like I'm a guy. I like playing games. I'm a game guy, so I like that you can play little language games, and it, it, it's, it makes learning fun, and that's what I need because I'm a monkey. So uh, studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash pardo. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash pardo, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash P-A-R-D-O. Rules and restrictions apply. Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? 
What's up, player? Do 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 do. Call the cops. There's a plant singing. That's the name of the van, you freak. Oh, she like Mr. Bean? Mrs. Burrito. I find you so asexual. Use it. Use it. Don't me, Frankenstein. It's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is Never Not Funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo. Hello, everybody. Yes, welcome to the program, episode 2614, I want to say. Did I get that right? Am I a winner today? Did I get any sort of... Uh, do I get a... Pro- Why do I have my glasses on? That's the biggest question. At uh, here's the thing. I just... Uh, uh, I, I, found, I finally found the little button on Zoom that allows you to hide yourself view so i don't uh, see my own mug coming back and it turns out i like see I, i'd rather see daddy i'd like uh, like <laughs> i didn't have i didn't know i had glasses on until uh, i felt them on my face uh, had i been looking at myself i would have recognized the fact that i had glasses on i'm not a dumb man but at the end of the day i'm a dumb man mm-hmm. it's stupidity that's all it is it's stupidity uh welcome to the program you guys uh it is a uh, monday uh, june the first happy june so we are now, what, uh, all of April, all of May, half of March uh, into this uh, quarantine pandemic lockdown uh, version of Never Not Funny. We appreciate you guys uh, listening. Um, I do want to very quickly, before we start, I recognize the fact that uh, you come to Never Not Funny for a respite for what's going on in the world and maybe a little bit of an escape from what's going on. Not that it is fair to say escape because what's going on, in my opinion, needs our full attention. And um, at the same time, though, I'm not so sure four white dudes or the uh, you should have a, a voice in this. I think it's uh, time for us to uh, to really uh, focus in on listening uh, to the community. And uh, and if you don't understand protesting and uh, and, and so on at, at this point, I don't know what to say to you. It's um, uh, it's heartbreaking, uh, in my opinion. Uh, uh, I'm speaking for myself, obviously. Uh it's heartbreaking what happened in Minneapolis and what happens every fucking day. And uh, it's I, uh, I I apologize. I did not expect to get emotional, and I am. It is just um, it sickens me. It sickens me to, to to think that anybody feels that they are not safe leaving their home. And um, uh, uh, I, I, and if it takes um, a protest and anger so that people can wake the fuck up and listen, then so be it. Uh, you know, a man tried to be, uh, take a knee at a football game and people wouldn't fucking have it. So, um, you know, uh, that's that. I apologize. I, uh, did not intend to get that emotional about it. Uh, and I, uh, uh, again, we are a comedy show, but I, I also felt like we cannot do the show without at least having, here's the phone call. That's the, I think that's my neighbor telling me a, a, a reminder. You shouldn't be saying anything. You're four white dudes. I think that may be my neighbor uh, here in Baldwin Hills, uh, California. Uh, so anyway, anything you guys want to add to that? I, I Again, I know I got a little more uh, emotional, passionate than I had anticipated on the air. I Certainly off the air, I'm doing that. But go ahead, Elliot. Um, I just want to mention that there's a website that the Black Lives Matter folks have put together that if you want to see their actual solution recommendations for how we might be able to solve these problems, uh, you can go to joincampaignzero.org. And they have done a lot of really good research. They've spoken with police and victims and community members and all sorts of people to try to come up with 
uh, solutions. They've had this site for over a year, um, but uh, you know it's not clear that that everybody has even looked at the things and taken them seriously to even debate them. So maybe go over there, have a look to see what their suggestions are, so that you can kind of get some context of what what folks who, as Jimmy said, they're affected by it, and they've kind of tried to make some some steps to to figure out some stuff. Go over there, read some stuff over there. Uh, maybe maybe a moment will come up where that information will be helpful to you so that you can participate in the conversation in a way that uh, is constructive. Um, uh, great, thank you. I, I apologize. I muted myself during that because uh, as you heard, my phone rang and then that was a uh, uh, somebody that wanted to leave a long-winded uh, message. Um, <laughs> I have a, a doctor's appointment coming up on Wednesday of this week where I have to go in. This I, It cannot be a mm. tele. Uh, doctor thing and so i have to go in on wednesday and uh, so that was them telling me what i have to do to prepare for that uh visit but elliot i was listening 100 percent to what you had to say um and um i think that's a uh, great advice um yeah and uh matt anything or do you, uh no i, I, I mean I, I don't i don't pretend to uh have you know any answers or any uh insights i agree with you jimmy i think it's it's this is a time to listen and um i just uh you know really hope that this is going to be if we look back on it the the turning point uh 100 you know i know we've said that before and, and we you know we've we've had a lot of these uh tragedies but uh sometimes it takes something this big and this dramatic to uh to change things and and to make people realize there needs to be change so that's my hope is that you know it's just like a very dark time in our country and uh um, I, I just, I, I want to believe that, uh, we can, uh, learn from it. So that's, that's my hope. There we go. Uh, Garen, I don't want to leave you out of the mix at the same time. Uh, I really don't want to hear your take on this. <laughs> I just can't think of anything worse uh, than hearing from some guy in Van Nuys today, but go ahead. You got, uh, you got your opportunity. Look, you guys have all said it. I mean, we have to. We have to. We all have friends and family that are that are part of the black community that we need to support, and we need to be listening more than we're doing anything else. You know what I mean? It's not about us, and Ever. to see people down there that are just going down to these protests and acting foolish and white people. I'm talking about. Oh, 100 percent agree, uh, with Garen. It, it's 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 embarrassing. You know I, I mean, this I is an important I, moment and to have, we need to be 100% fully behind it and not making it about us. It's, it's, I, I, I can't agree more. It's like when you say yeah. embarrassing, you know what, when, uh, you know, my old neighborhood, Matt's old neighborhood, um, you know, Fairfax and, uh, you know, right behind my old apartment, not again, I'm not making it about me, but what I'm saying is that that. It was embarrassing to see, like to your point, Karen, white people taking advantage of it and breaking windows and stealing. Like, what the fuck? This is what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's you know, it, we, I know a lot of people don't don't know what they're supposed to do. What they're not supposed to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but you just have to just listen. You you'll That's learn. It. Learn is what we need to be doing. Yeah. Uh, so, and if, if, if I may, in in watching the the coverage uh, over the weekend. There were several instances where it seemed as though it was mostly white people who were kind of egging on the police and uh, doing things that, that, that weren't necessary. A protest, a peaceful protest, does not require uh, you're pushing your bicycle against a police officer. 
and when you do those sorts of things, you make it worse, and of course, it makes it much more likely that somebody who isn't white at the back of the group is going to get uh, something happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is part of the problem. Why that sentence has to continue to go on to someone at the back of the line is going to get hurt. That's the problem. Well, and it doesn't matter if Joe Schmo, white dude, kicks over a can. Why is the black guy down the street going to get punished for that? Yeah. At, at, so, a, at the same time, though, that, you know, the, the, as I think John Oliver has pointed out in past episodes and, and it's been covered pretty extensively, the, the militaries, the militarization of, of police forces around the country is part of the problem mm-hmm. too. So that when you get that, yes, the, the peaceful protesters shouldn't be uh, antagonizing police and it shouldn't have to come to it. And they, their response has been horrible in a lot of situations. A lot of this is anecdotal and I'm sure we're all seeing some of the worst stories and uh, hopefully we're seeing some of the nice stories like in, in Michigan when the police yeah. uh, joined the protest instead of and trying to fight it. But um but, but I still believe that, you know, you've got a lot of, uh, in the same way that you have a lot of uh, bad cops uh, who are, uh, you know, killing black people uh, on routine arrests, you also have a lot of bad cops who uh, are going to take that bait and and start, you know, shooting uh, pepper spray pellets or, or bean bags into crowds when it's not necessary. And so systemically we have to figure out you know how to de-escalate that too and i and and i do believe that we were trying to do that under the last presidential administration and i think this president has reversed a lot of that stuff but i don't um, i don't uh, don't agree with that i think he's doing a great job (laughs) hiding this bunker and uh having mike pence go out and say the most hypocritical things in the world the man walked out of a football game he walked out of hamilton and he's got some balls saying that this uh, administration stands behind black lives matter and they support you know gay and lesbian and the LGBTQ uh, 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 thing, thing things. I got this. I, I apologize in the middle of a very important sentence. And by important, I mean I didn't. I don't want anybody to feel slighted. Uh, a dog starts barking, and I get distracted because I'm man, an idiot. What is going on at your house, man? You know what? I don't. Yeah, here's what I think happens, man. I think at this time of day, uh, some gardeners show up on some, not mm-hmm. at my house, but at other houses, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's exactly what's happening. So I think I think the dogs next door. By the way, my dogs next door. They are not my dog. Uh, they are the the dogs next door. Uh, they will bark at somebody who is uh, walking into Seven uh, Eleven, which is around the like. Some they somehow know yep. something's up at all mm-hmm. given moment. Like they bark and then you go, "What are you about?" And if they were human beings, they would go, "Ah, there's a guy walking over there." I don't like. Uh, they get distracted. Like they, you you walk past them, how they were they're fast asleep, and if you just go, "Hello," then it gets it's, it's bananas. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 how happened. my dog is too and and uh, i there's nothing i can do to stop it uh i on some level it's nice that he's guarding the house but uh but yeah when 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 somebody parks their car across the street and gets out of that car you don't need to take it to defcon 6 <laughs> <laughs> matt do you think that your dog gets scared because he thinks gordon gecko has broken into his house do you think that that is uh, well, that's a possibility it's a fun joke for the video people uh, <laughs> it is and, and honestly it does not look the same as it did before we got no here. yeah it was it was much well, more flattened well, i i was running late and so i didn't have time to dry my hair or anything so i just i showed up at the studio with my hair i just brushed it back out of the shower wet and uh yeah i was rocking the wet look uh 1985 style uh yeah. i'm not gonna lie to you 
I, I didn't dislike it. I also didn't like it. It was. Uh, well, I didn't like it, and I certainly didn't like uh, everyone calling attention to it when I was trying to solve an audio problem. <laughs> well, listen, we, uh, we couldn't hear you, so all we could do is comment on what we saw. So mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, but now it's back to normal. We can get back to making fun of Elliot's uh, Larry Fine hair. So it's, yeah. Oh, but that was the other thing. I kind of was like brushing it all back. I was like, oh, maybe this is because sometimes Elliot does that too. Sometimes Elliot's right out of the shower and he just goes, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was gonna play it off like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm doing an homage to Elliot. And then I thought in my head it would be funny if then next week my hair was dyed pink, and then the week after that I had like, <laughs> a military buzz cut. And I was like, could I really pull all that off? And it turns out I didn't even pull off the first part, which is making you guys think I was doing an Elliot riff. <laughs> we thought, again, it looked very uh, Gordon Gecko to me. It, looked, uh, yeah. it was. It was. It was like Pat Riley. Uh, yes, Pat Riley's a great one too. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that as I, you know, got in my car and went, "Oh shit!" I I forgot to dry my hair because I was rushing out. Uh, well, we're glad that you made it. That's all that matters. Uh, you know, you're at studio holding down the fort at HQ, and uh, everybody else is, of course, in their homes. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually ventured out over the weekend. I had to. Um, uh, I went to Office Depot. I went to a, a retail store. Um, that uh, you know, retail stores open here in Los Angeles, and I had to get a new chair. And I told Matt this story. It's not an interesting one, but I told it to him. I went to um, Office Depot to get a new office chair. Uh, uh, did I just say that? Am I like mm-hmm. a, yeah? Uh, <laughs> You're on a little bit of a loop. <laughs> I didn't know if it was Zoom or your brain. <laughs> it, I'm not kidding. But I it was like we jumped back in time five seconds. <laughs> Here's what I got. Uh, so anyway, I went to Office Depot, and, and I don't know if you guys know why. It was for well, <laughs> office chair. Okay, thank oh, you. An office yeah. chair. Uh huh. And um, that was bizarre. When I said it the second time, I, my brain literally went, you, "You just said these exact words in this order. Like, what are you? What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm bl- I'm going to blame that freaking dog. And uh, I would close the window, but that's not going to solve anything. You could still uh, hear it because it's seven feet from our house. Mm. Um. So anyway, this office chair, very important <laughs> story. I went to Office Depot to get a specific chair that looked great and it seemed to tick all the boxes of a chair that I wanted. And I got to the Office Depot and I went, oh yeah, this is a good chair. I like this chair. It's a good chair. And by the way, when I got to the Office Depot, it, even though I've gone to grocery stores and I've gone to Target, it still was very odd to walk into a retail establishment uh, after all this time. Um, uh-huh. It just felt weird. And, and even the, empo- like the employees seemed happy to see a, a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was only two other people in there. Uh, we all kept our distance uh, as easy, as hard as that was, considering that the other two people there were also looking for office chairs. <laughs> so here's this entire store, and there's three people in it, and all three are looking at office chairs, uh, mainly because we're all probably working from home. And uh, I know my caboose has uh, wore out the last uh, office chair that I had, and so um, went to get a new one. Again, ticked all the boxes. I sat down, and I went, yeah, this, this baby's great. I love it. And then so as I was waiting for the, uh, you know, you got to grab a little ticket or whatever. And uh, as I was waiting for the other uh, for the employee to help somebody else and then hand him my ticket, uh, I had gloves on. He had gloves on. We just got gloves on. And um, uh, I started to go, like, oh, I'll try that chair. I'll try that chair. I'll try that chair. So then I tried as I was waiting, I just popped down in one chair and I went, oh, my God, this is the most comfortable chair I've ever had in my entire life. I've never sat in a more comfortable office chair. I'm not going to buy the one that I came here for. I'm going to I'm going to buy this one. I can't believe how comfortable this freaking chair is. I've never been in a more comfortable chair. I I I uh, returned the slip for the for the more expensive chair, and the chair that I wanted to buy was like, well, I can't imagine what this chair is going to be, and it was ninety nine dollars, and I was wow. like, hey, that's that's a steal for 
uh, for an office chair. Yeah, that's uh-huh. a that's a good price for a very comfortable office chair. Um, I will tell you that as I sit here talking to you, I am not using that chair because <laughs> Jesus Christ, did it suck? It was. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. But it's uh, even young Oliver is like, yeah, Dad. There's something about this chair. It's horrible. This is not comfortable. It is. It's nice and cushiony, um, and so it's it's got a cushion to it, but at the same time, it has no support. Like it's, oh, it, it, yeah. it, it also like it's got the hydraulic, of course, as all chairs do, where you could raise and lift. But I need to be raised to a certain level here for the camera to hit me, and more importantly, for my you know my arms to you know use the mouse and so on and so forth. And depending on the chair, I could either have my feet as I have them now, firmly on the ground, very comfortable. Or that cushy chair where I'm dangling like I'm Lily Tomlin in 1967. <laughs> I'm laughing. And that's what that was. So then, therefore, yeah. that's not comfortable. And so. Not good for uh, you either. They, they yeah. tell you that ergonomically, you're supposed to have your feet flat on the ground, your elbows at a 90 degree angle. Uh, and that's how I am with the chair that I'm currently in, which is, uh, uh, by the way, this was the chair that I used last week on the uh, isolation files. This is not my usual chair. This was the chair that I bought that I went, here's my answer. And this chair that I'm currently on is not the answer. And then that new one for $99 was not the answer either. So if you guys are looking for an office uh, chair, I've got a whole department here in the house. <laughs> I actually, wow. I do need a new one in the office. So, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if I want that one that you have said is terrible, but uh, maybe the other one, maybe the one you're I, in now. I wonder if this one is, uh, you know, uh, um, the other one I'm boxing back up. I'm boxing that baby back up. That one's going right back to the depot. And uh, it'd be nice to see those guys again. And uh, <laughs> so are you going to buy the one you originally intended to? I can't answer that and I won't answer it. You know what I want? You know, here's what I think I might do, Matt. I might just buy uh, the chair that I had that I loved that was no longer supporting me. I might buy that one, but that one is it's expensive. And I don't mm. know if I want to drop that kind of money on an office chair, which is ridiculous because I spend many hours in it mm-hmm. yeah so why not you know spend a little bit more and 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 get it I, the one that i had was a floor model so it was i got a very good price on it um but to buy it new which is what i have to do uh well if the only problem with it is that it's not supporting you anymore maybe you and the chair should just go to therapy uh like couple you ever tried to you ever try to get a chair into a car <laughs> you ever try to do that that is uh look just because they're not cooperating doesn't mean they don't need the help jimmy Oh, I don't disagree with that. I think it needs the help. It needs uh, it, it needs to really just I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it. it needs to be more tense. Mm. It uh, it's too loose. Did you the, tell uh, it about the pandemic and the, the race riots? <laughs> uh, it's been hearing a lot about it. Okay. Uh, and um, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's heard me yell into the wall over here about what's happening. So uh, uh, it's, and, and watching Spectrum News and uh, the, for local coverage. It's all happening. I'm still loving Spectrum News, by the way, that I I rarely turn on like TV news. I usually get the news through the Internet, like uh, through websites and whatnot. But uh, but this was a weekend where it was like, we just need to see what's going on locally. And Spectrum News uh, is great. (laughs) I don't know. It's it feels less uh, like because it's not really commercial. uh, It's not. you know, like most news channels uh, have to uh, get ratings to um, to sell ads, to make money, to uh, to function and to survive. And so that sometimes affects the way they cover things. Obviously, they're they're more sensationalized. But Spectrum News is like almost like public access because there's no commercials. It's just a it's just something that the Spectrum cable 
provides. I, I don't really know why they do it. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what what's in it for them, but I appreciate that they're doing it. Matt, is it safe to say that your hair is talking about the finances right now? Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if you want to talk stocks uh, or as I call them stonks, uh, then, yeah, obviously we can uh, we can get into it. I should probably have. I should have worn my uh, my button up shirt with the suspenders yeah. and the rolled up sleeves oh to really get God. into it. But remember that look, good lord! Uh, but to your point, Matt, I agree with you about Spectrum News. It, it is very cable accessy. It's just it's a step up from that uh, as far as um, um, production values. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the news, the the reporters are all terrific. Yeah. Uh, the anchors are all terrific, and it's uh, uh, they they're doing a great they're doing a great job. And, yeah. Uh, and they have Alex Cohen. Alex Cohen, it maybe still is, but was uh, one of the anchors on KPCC, which is a Pasadena City College's uh, public radio station that carries NPR. And so I knew Alex Cohen from that, and I always thought she was, uh, you know, good at her job. And so it's nice to have if it, that. I think that partly is why it feels like this is has the air of um, legitimacy and and quality that I respond to. I refer to Alex Cohn as the Southland's aunt. Yes. I, <laughs> I, totally. Aaron, when you, when you tweeted that out, it was a tweet or Facebook. When you put that on there uh, with the, with the screenshot, it was very funny because, and it was it, admittedly it's before I was all in on spectrum news. And it was like, you post that. I was like, yeah, what the fuck is this about? And then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? I'm going to watch that for a second. It's like, Hey, you know what? This is my news. Now I enjoy coming here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't mean that in a negative way. She's just, I, I just, she's just, has oh, that. that's who you want. The, the well, vibe. the well-informed See, I, I aunt tell, telling you what's going on in the world. <laughs> I agree with that. And there's, there's a comfort level to it. She makes you feel comfortable with the news. She seems knowledgeable about everything and what she's not. She does her homework, right? She's a journalist first, a broadcaster second. And that's, what's important with, with a newsman or a news lady. I apologize to all the listeners outside of the Southland who can't appreciate that great yeah, joke. I, I, <laughs> trust, trust us that this is one of Garen's finest works. I wonder if, I mean, Spectrum is obviously, is that is, is it nationwide? Is it? Uh, well, they must have the Spectrum news for every right. market. So I don't know, you know. Well, not every market, but I'm actually, I'm at their website. And they do have, like, they have a website with news. So you can actually read some of their stories. Yeah, I'd rather not uh, do that. Uh, I like, well, I, like, no, I, like just, I like the ant telling it to me. <laughs> sure. But then the other thing is, if you go to the site, it does have... So they're in Texas, Florida. Uh, what is that? Jesus, you know what else is down in Texas, right, Matt? All your oh, exes. Yeah, I know. So that's rough. I wonder if one of them is doing the news. That'd Probably. Be I mean, what are, <laughs> Look, chances are high because of all very those exes. High. They're all um, down there. They're all down there. Yeah. And a lot of them were in media because you would go on the road and you would right. do like morning radio and uh yes. bang around <laughs> um yes uh you know i will tell you this in all of my uh ventures in this world uh, uh never with a media person never never had any uh, uh not not even a makeout session with a media person it never do you think that's that because 90 percent of media people are men <laughs> <laughs> You don't know how I got on the road. You don't know anything about how I experimented when I was uh, out there. True. Um, uh, I will say that I did try. I, I will. I will say that uh, in Peoria, Illinois, once I was, uh, it was a uh, a female, and I, uh, I I was picking up some vibe, and so I flirted back, and then that, it went nowhere. But I thought that uh, uh, there was a chance there of, uh, uh, and, and Peoria was also close enough where it's like. 
hey, you know what? Maybe this could uh, lead to something. I always, uh, I always, I always had that in my head. By the way, anytime I had a, 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 an interaction with somebody on the road, I always felt like, you know, maybe you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe she moves to Chicago. I move here. You never know. And then. Hold on. I that think happened. I have I think I have a, a trophy here for you or a medal. I can't. Remember. I I don't need. And that's not what I'm getting at. I was about to make fun of myself and say, of course, there's zero chance of that happening. They just they want to uh, the, the young ladies wanted me out of their life as quickly as possible and then pack their bags and head down to Texas. Right. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I think there was even a government program that provided the, <laughs> some moving fees. The, the Jimmy Pardo Act. They were covered. Uh, Matt, you're looking down. Is our, is our guest here? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's take a break. Tommy Shaw of Sticks is going to be joining us in a couple of seconds here. Uh, been trying to get Tommy on the show for a while, and I am thrilled that uh, we're finally able to have that happen here. Uh, so uh, we'll be back with more right after this. Hey, hiring's hard. So hard. So ZipRecruiter's there to make it easy. So easy. That a boy, Matt. You did exactly what I was hoping for. We don't plan these folks. We don't script these out. We we sit down. We go, uh, hey, let's do a ZipRecruiter ad. And then I, I just say something and then Matt responds. And it's very, very never enough funny. Very brand. organic. Uh, very organic. We both turn into James Austin Johnson doing <laughs> Trump. Very organic. They're talking about organic. <laughs> Hey, see why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's 24 hours. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. Go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Once again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash Pardo. Look, we haven't had to hire anybody in a long time, but I know there's people out there that have a small business and they do. Yes. And... uh Look, I don't want to do that job. If you wanted to work, you would go work uh, as a headhunter if you cared, if you enjoyed hiring people for, you know, if that was your your passion. It's not mine. No, it's, I don't, it's not mine either. So my passion's the opera. <laughs> Obviously, we all know that. Okay, I just want to make from, sure. From longtime listeners know that you love the I opera. I want to make sure that everybody's reminded of it. So just leave it to the professionals at ZipRecruiter. Let them do it. Let their technology help you so that you don't have to waste your time finding great candidates that's exactly right by the way we have tickets for the opera coming up i'm gonna hire somebody to go in my place <laughs> uh that is my passion my passion for the opera is to avoid it yeah uh ziprecruiter.com slash pardo ziprecruiter.com slash pardo z-i-p-r-e-c-r-u-i-t-e-r.com slash pardo ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire Guys, Shopify is something that's very, very dear and important to me, and you know that. You know that. And Matt, you're laughing because you know that I don't stop talking about Shopify off the air. It's really, it's it's weird. It's like your new obsession. Like, you used to talk about, you know, Journey and Kiss all the time. Now it's just Shopify this, Shopify that. I know, and I, all I can do is apologize, but I'll tell you why. It's because whether you're selling scented soaps or uh, offering outdoor outfits, the SSS or the OOO, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, which I learned stands for point of sale, that's, not the other thing that I've been saying. Right. That's uh, When you go on and on about Shopify, you, sound, you sounded a little foolish because you were raving about, and then people would say, well, why, why is he talking about POS? Like, what? That's yeah. A, they didn't know either, and you didn't know how to tell them. Uh, well, no, because I was on the wrong side of history on that as well. Yeah. But point of sale is what POS stands for when we're talking Shopify. I'm excited because we've set up our own Shopify account to uh, handle our uh, our perks. You know, we were sending out uh, T-shirts and, and yearbooks to our subscribers, and uh, it's so easy. It's great. I get to, you know, assign roles to different people. Like our, our, our web guy, Jeff, is he's an admin in there now, and I, I just it was so easy to set him up. And then I set up our T-shirt guy. He's got an account in there he can log in he can do what he needs to do to get our shipping done it's awesome um 
I even kept out of the loop on that uh, because um, you're kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, as much as you rave about it, you don't want to know about I don't the details. Know. I don't want to know how the sausage is made. I just no. want to see the, uh, the, the results. Right. That's what I want. And, and also, I don't know if illegally I can get away with this, but it's so easy to Shopify. Well, because Come you were on. off key, I think we're legally safe. I think I was on key for the, what I was doing. <laughs> we all knew what it was. Uh, you know, I'm not doing karaoke to a backing track. <laughs> it was on whatever key I was at. Uh, sign up for $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Pardo. That's all lowercase. Shopify.com slash Pardo. Now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com slash Pardo. Shopify, a better way to sell. Hey, everybody, indeed. Welcome back to the program, episode 20, oh, geez, 2614, right? Is that yep. where we're at? Yep, yep. Just uh, got distracted by uh, the, my timer has the number 24 on it, and I, I'm an idiot, and uh, so I started thinking that we were in season 24 over season 26. Listen, here's the deal. Let's bring our guest into the mix here. It's, this is a, a thrill. He joined us once for Partcastathon, our charity event for Smile Train a few years back, um, and uh, he and I, I don't want to say we've become friends. That's, a, that's an overstatement on my part, but do I text him and bother him? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I am a pain in the ass. I have a man's personal phone number, and I take advantage of it like a dickhead. So um, uh, I've been trying to book Tommy on the show for years and uh, ever since that part castathon, and it's only taken a pandemic to have it happen. It's only taken us being locked in our homes to get this man on. So please uh, welcome in. Hello, Tommy. What's up, Jamie? Hey, uh, folks. Hello. It's Tommy. How are now? You're you're in Nashville, correct? Yes. And how are you dealing? Uh, you're there. I assume you're there with your wife, right? It's just the two of you. It, um, you have a daughter that's where in San Diego. Is that where your daughter lives? Yes. Oh, I got that right. Uh, so it's just the two of you. I, I, do you guys take turns going to the store? Do you go together? Uh, how are you guys uh, working out uh, the the uh, the Shaw household? Well, Jeannie she's a better shopper. If I go to the store, I'll come back with some, some gum and potato chips. And like, I, I can decide what to buy. Uh, and she will go with mask in hand. And uh, she comes back with a car. She texts me on the way home to come get it, you know, and I'm and it's actual groceries and supplies and things like that. And do you, do you think you're a bad shopper? Because not unlike uh, myself, I'm a comedian who works the road for a living. You're a, a musician that works the road. Are you a bad shopper? Because A, we never really have to do any shopping. And B, when you do, you're just kind of running into a convenience store and then back on the bus or back in the car with your chips and gum. Do you think that's why you never learn how to do it? I, th- I think all those things. And I'm just, I'm good at some things and I'm terrible at others. And I, I'm easily distracted. That's my problem. Uh, I'll get well, there and I'll start looking at something and start reading labels. And it's like, what did I come, what did I come here for? Right. And uh, so I just, I come back with just useless items. And um, so, so Jeannie does that. Uh, we, we have animals. We have uh, two dogs and a cat and we got three chickens. And so I do the morning duties. Uh, you know, I, actually about very early in the morning, a cat walks across my chest and starts staring at me. And then, right dog's nose on my hand on the side of the bed and they're like okay that's enough time to feed so i get i actually love it um so i get up and and take care of that and then eventually have a cup of coffee and kind of start my day that way explain the chickens to me when you say you are are they laying eggs are you making your own uh omelets are you fresh eggs or uh are they just pecking around and keeping your backyard uh, uh clean is that a sentence? No, they can't. They can't do that. They have to be in a coop. Uh, but with their, Jeannie found this organization months ago. 
before the lockdown. Uh, it's, they're called Rent v. Chicken. And it's this, uh, it's kind of a, a database of, of I think they might be national, but I know around Nashville, they, they, um, they have hens and they build these little portable coops that you can roll around there. They have mesh uh, on the bottom of them. So, you know, they do their business on the ground. The next day you pick it up and you roll it to a fresh part of your yard and they, they can get the fresh. We don't use any of the, uh, the uh, bug killing, you know, you know, the people who have the perfect green lawns. Right. Ours is a meadow everywhere. It's clover and it's there's things living in it, and uh, so the chickens love that. They remove them and they're like, "Oh man, thanks, clover and all these worms and stuff." Um, and then once a day, so at a certain point, uh, you go in and there's a little nesting box in the back. You go in and there's there's an egg. So we get three eggs a day. I'm sorry, three eggs? You say? Yeah, one egg each. Okay. So that's twenty-one eggs a week, and that's that's a lot of eggs. Seems like plenty of eggs. <laughs> Seems like maybe you're. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you? Uh, is there any thought of you and Jeannie opening up a little stand at the uh, at the end of your driveway to sell eggs, uh, making a little extra bucks since you can't go on the road? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when we lived in California, there was a, a little place. No, I take it back because after we moved here, it, somebody had a little uh, stand out by the road, and it was an honor stand with you know take the eggs and just put the money in the little box here. Um, but I don't think we're going to do that. That, right. we don't have that. We don't have that many eggs. Right. You, you got the 21 by, by your own account. You got the 21 eggs coming in. We have a couple of scrambled egg breakfasts a couple of week, a couple of days a week. We have some deviled eggs and there's still some left over. So are you, uh, you're no longer, I, I remember you, you mentioned when you were on Paracastathon that when you were on tour with Damn Yankees, and it was very odd to be on tour with Ted Nugent because, you know, he uh, will shoot a bow and arrow out of the bus and kill whatever's going by and have that for lunch, um, that you were a vegan at that time. Are you, it sounds like you're no longer a vegan. I'm no longer anything. I'm still, a, I'm, I'm just a musician. I'll eat anything. Uh, I, I, I was, um, uh, I was clean and sober from alcohol for about 23 years uh, I got corrupted with that again. And so, but, um, but I find out that I'm not, I think w one of my biggest problems w when I first started to like, I need to stop doing this was there was a lot, of, you know, it was the, the early eighties and, uh, there was cocaine everywhere or things that they called cocaine. It was like, okay. you know, it, although I, I have to admit, I never had like the Keith Richards kind of cocaine. I think I mostly got the promo man, promo guy, video uh, i mean uh, cocaine that had uh, been stepped on a few times with you know what the hell they used to do that so but that did make you into an idiot it's just enough to make you stupid all right drink way too much and do dumb shit and uh and then wake up in the morning feeling like like it uh okay can i am i free to speak freely here to, yes to of course feel, feel like a complete asshole because you know frankly i was and so so uh Someone I knew uh, had said, maybe you need to go to a meeting. And so I went there and was like, yeah, I would really like to stop doing this shit. And right. people were very supportive. And I did that for years. And then as I, I grew a little bit older and a little more responsible, um, it was pointed out to me, you know, you can probably, you know, I'm not saying do this. I'm not trying to be a role model for anybody. Um, but I, I said, I'm going to try a glass of wine. And it was like, what a glass of wine does to you it kind of makes you relax mm -hmm. and 
So I, that was it. That was the end of, of being uh, clean and sober for me. But I, I'm still clean. I'm still sober right now. Uh, but I will have, you know, an, an adult beverage at the end of the day sometimes. And of course, you're still doing a bunch of blow, right? You're still doing the coke. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't do it, but I do. I still sell it. That, that a boy. Yeah, again, you're not on the road. You got to make some money. Uh, but you're doing it on the honor system down at the end of the driveway, right? One bag, twenty dollars. So, uh, I look. I don't know anything. I, I've never done cocaine. Is that a good price? Is that a horrible price? I don't. I have no idea. No, that's not a good price. Uh, I don't know. I haven't bought it lately. I haven't had. I, you know, that's the one thing I. I know I will never do again. I never. And I never did heroin. Thank God. Right. Or, I never messed around with any other that kind of stuff. you know what's interesting? It, 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 interesting is a strong word. Uh, anecdotally, here's something I could add to this conversation. Uh, I don't want to get people excited that something interesting is coming because it, it may not. Uh, I have some bullet points here, Tommy, of stuff that has happened in my life that you seem to intersect with uh, okay. in some way. So one of them actually is the very I, I've been sober now 20. It'll be 21 years in July. Congratulations. Um, uh, th- I never did drugs. Um, uh, that wasn't my bag uh, more because I was afraid that it was illegal and I thought it was weird to do something illegal, but I would drink and drive like an asshole. Um, <laughs> that seemed to be okay. Um, so the last time I drank, this is, this is 100% true. I was in Boise, Idaho and uh, your uh, sticks album, brave new world had just come out uh, in that June and July 18th uh, was the last time I drank. Um, and I, uh, the last thing in my ears as I was, uh, passing out the last time I drank and then coming to was your album, brave new world. So, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of how that goes. Well, there you go. There's a little taste of brave new world. That's the kind of magic you can hear on that CD. <laughs> There's a place in the cast. That's what I'm talking about, you guys. These are professional musicians what we get on the program, and then they know how to do this. The guy, he, he, tell me, when's the last time you played that? 1999, 2000? Yeah. See? Uh, I will say, Tommy, if I uh, if you're breaking a song, do me a favor, just uh, slide your chair back just a tad so that we could, uh, oh, yeah. so that the, the guitar doesn't uh, overpower uh, the voice. Um, but come back now and talk. <laughs> slide back up. Can I aim uh, this way? Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, there we go. But we don't need to do it again. Oh, uh, uh, so anyway, that was the last time I drank. And uh, so I thought that was uh, uh, interesting. Um, uh, there's also another time that I, I told you about this on Parkcastathon, uh, that I was at the, um, uh, the, the 1997, what is that, the 20-year anniversary of the Grand Illusion Tour. And it was at the Universal uh, Amphitheater here in Los Angeles. And uh, I was backstage and uh, took advantage of the free bar. And got drunk out of my freaking mind. And um, then I'll say it. 
uh, uh, attacked you and acted like an asshole. I was like, I said, oh, there is Tommy Shaw. And I was the, I was that fan that you just can't wait to get away from. And I, I just, I just, and I wouldn't let you go. I was the belligerent. No, man, I got to talk about this with you. And, um, it was all I kept on telling you was that your album, what if is my favorite. I, I said, Hey, it's my favorite of your solo albums. And whatever you said back to me was not what I wanted to hear. So I then upped the ante and said, I'm not kidding. It's my favorite album of all time. And that seems high. Can we agree on that? Of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm impressed because again, I'm sure you haven't played that since the mid '80s when you were rock coked up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've played that sober. Uh, <laughs> so, Tommy, I, I'm interested in, since we're on the topic of that album, and uh, uh, I had heard through the years that you hated that album. Is it because of where you were in your life that you didn't like it, or uh, or did I misread a, a, an interview, or is that just how you felt on that day? I, I'm I'm disappointed in that album. Why is I'm, that? because I was drinking heavily and doing cocaine and, uh, and it was just, you know, it, it could have been a lot better. Boy, that, I, again, that's surprising to me because it, um, I, I, I was working at a record store at the time and, uh, we got the, whatever the A&M version of the promo, they called that the white label or whatever that came into the record store. And I was listening to it nonstop. And the other memory I have of that particular album is I was going to pick up this girl on a date and she said, my dad wants to meet you. And I went in to meet her dad and he was wearing a leisure suit. And um, I just assumed that when you turn 50, you started wearing leisure suits. It was the most uncomfortable. Like, why the fuck are you walking around in a leisure suit, you weirdo? Like, it just seemed bizarre to me. Um, but, uh, but Tommy, let's go back all the way. Uh, if you're comfortable doing it, um, uh, talking about it. Uh, the first album I ever bought with my own money was The Grand Illusion in 77. Uh, but you joined the band in 76, yes. right? And Crystal Ball was your first album. I'm sorry? Was it 76 or 7? No, 75. December of 75. Okay. So, uh, sorry I'm off by 30 days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I even remember it, so don't worry about it. I'm very proud of you. Um, So, you... (laughs) Uh, you you were in like a a, cover, a traveling cover band basically right? Do maybe doing some originals, but mostly covers out of no uh, no. We we the the thing that was messed up about our band is we were doing almost all originals. We were oh, doing okay. like a Uriah Heap cover or uh, you know uh, Tower of Power cover, but mostly mostly covers. I mean mostly our own songs. And on the Crystal Ball albums, you know that that first song. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
da 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 da. That that was part of an MS funk song, and then. That part in Ballerina, that was from one of those songs. Ah. I just, if, if I wrote it, I figured I, you know, I, I could, I could borrow from myself. Sure. Because, you know, it, it happened so fast. It was like, we need the material. Uh, so here's a, here's a piece, stick that in there. And you, when you auditioned, quote unquote, auditioned for Sticks, uh, they had, I, and again, I, I, I could just let you tell it, but let me see if I got some of this right. You, they would seen you at a bar in Chicago is in this MS Funk. And they invited you down, and they just heard you sing. You didn't even play guitar. Is that accurate? It's pretty close. Uh, they never heard me. Their tour manager, uh, Jim Vos, uh, had come to the. We used to play at a place called the Rush Up on Rush Street. Uh, it's no longer there. It's a, it's a parking lot, I think, or it was a, it was a something else. It was not a club anymore. Uh, and it, it was a late night club, and so people would come from other clubs that had shut down and come there. So we would always be playing for some pretty messed up fans, which was a lot of fun. And we would be, you know, they'd be sending us up shots and stuff like that. So it was a pretty uh, outrageous, fun place. Um, but he came there and uh, and came back in the dressing room, which was this stinky storage room behind the stage uh, uh, with, a, with a bucket of piss in it. And I don't know who <laughs> it was. It was not mine, but uh, somebody else was in there. So it was like, Frank Zappa was back there with us before, and it was like, sorry about the bucket, Frank. Uh, <laughs> um, but the, I think most of us in the music business have had some version of the bucket of piss in our... In yes. Our <laughs> I, even in comedy, there's uh, stories of guys... Uh, uh, B.O.P., yeah. Yeah. You, got, you, can't, you don't have time to run to the public restroom, and so then you're about to go on stage, you take a whiz in a bucket, and you go on stage. Uh, yeah. Do I think it's normal? No, but it's happened. Show business, you know. Very glamorous, isn't it, Tom? And you know, it's it's in in the back where it's just where the musicians have to do. Uh, uh, all right, so you're there. The tour manager sees you and says, "Hey, our guitarist is leaving. We need a guy. Are you interested?" Uh, he he just came back there and saw the bucket and left. But he said, uh, <laughs> uh, "But when they were looking for uh, someone, they had just released Equinox." Uh, I had the band that I was in, the MS Funk, we had all given up because disco music had, had really chipped away at all the few club dates that we had. You know, they were tr always trying to get us to play music for people to dance to that they knew. And we were like, we're playing our original things. We're playing these 15 minute art pieces. You know? Right. Uh, so that and other things just led us to, it just whittled us down to nothing. So I went back to my hometown in Montgomery, Alabama uh, at the uh, invitation of uh, an old bandmate who says, we have, a, we have a gig in a place where there's no dance floor. About 100 people will come and just listen to the music. And we're making $200 a week. And Is 75, uh, is, is, that, is that great money in, in 1975? If you had been in my band, that was eight times what uh, I was making. Okay. All right. I, I, I still have my last check, $25 from MS Funk. Wow. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm, I moved back down there where I was from and got to see a bunch of, you know, my parents when my family was there i bought a little house and cleaned it up and had a car and phone and i was no longer on the road all the time so uh, we did that for about six months and uh we were we were a really good little band you know just 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 seats and tables in there and i wrote crystal ball the first part of it when i was there and um 
we just, it was so much fun because it sounded good and people were all mellow in there. And it was, it was, just, I loved it. And so when I got the call from Jim to come audition for six, I was like, I don't know, man, I got a pretty sweet gig down here. You know, make it 200 bucks a week. Uh huh. And he said, yeah, okay. But listen, just come on up. Just, just trust me. Come on, come on up and audition. Yeah. So, so I did that. And, um, and I took a guitar in a case, uh, but I never opened it up or took it out. They, we sat around the piano and they said, here, you take this note. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was, so they started singing and they, they were really projecting. And I was used to being, doing like, uh, you know, like Dan Fogelberg's bird songs or, you know, the place in the world for a gambler. You know, that kind of yeah, yeah. beautiful little harmonies. So I just took a little deeper breath and belted out the the. And I'm I'm still doing it to this day. <laughs> yeah, and I, if I if, if I'm not that's is that Lorelai? Is that what the lady? Oh, it's lady. It's, oh, right, lady. What do you think of my version? Do you like that at all, Tom? <laughs> lady. <laughs> Not too high? When the, wait. With me, uh, I'm smiling. Yes. Suddenly. I don't, uh, I can't hit those DeYoung songs for uh, notes. Are you kidding me? Late. No, horrible. Uh, no. Say it again. I'm sorry. You, Tommy, are you complimenting me? Do you need me to come on tour with you? <laughs> Your pitch was great. You got nice vibrato. Okay, I want, uh, let's acknowledge that this man is a uh, multi-platinum selling album uh, say, uh, musician. The next time you guys badmouth my singing, let's remember this moment and you go, I'll fuck yourselves. How about that? <laughs> I, I, uh, po- point of order, Jimmy Pardo. Yes. I have never badmouthed your singing. You are the one who always badmouths your singing. That's true. Well, I, I now know that maybe I'm singing in the wrong register. It sounds like I got to be up there in that, uh, that higher register. Tenor, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to be very honest. We just uh, got lucky this morning. <laughs> you sing in the car. You sing in the shower. Of that's course a, I do. Yes, you, that's, a, that's a voice that sings. I will sing uh, anywhere, anywhere that it's allowed. Uh, in fact, yesterday uh, I was outside doing some uh, handiwork and my wife and son were in this very office and uh, they were, according to my wife, we were just having the uh, the most serious conversation we've ever had since Oliver was born. My son is, you met uh, Oliver, Tommy, when we were uh, at the yes. show here in L.A. Uh, so he's 12 going on 13. And he, she said, we were having the most serious conversation that we've ever had. And all of a sudden, the background, uh, we just hear you start singing and ruining the conversation. So uh, I can't imagine. First, it was horrible for her. I can't imagine what my neighbors were thinking. Um, and I was singing, what the fuck was I, it was, it, admittedly, I'm on a, a little bit of a, uh, I was getting ready for the show here, so, oh, it doesn't matter, it was, it was something, uh, I know, it was Blue Collar Man, that's what it was, and, um, uh, that was the song, by the way, that made me discover that my son, uh, are you gonna do it? Well, you're gonna do it. I'm, wait, wait, hang on, wait, fuck, hang on, wait. Isn't there latency? Just the car. Uh, uh, give me a job, give me security, give me a chance to survive. I'm just a poor man standing on a humming line. My God, I'm hardly alive. Close? Pretty good. How much latency was it? Yeah, Not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Not bad. Father and father, you go. Why, but my 
express. See the life in my face. Take it. Well, I've got the power. I don't know the words exactly. <laughs> I've got the mail. I ain't a charity case. We'll take those. Tommy. And if it takes all that to be just what I am, I'm going to be a blue collar man. <laughs> Keeping my mind on a better life. Paradise, and it be all that I learned that it was. I close my eyes. Maybe I'm already there. All right, we're done. Tommy, thank you. I just. Are you kidding me? I just. Uh, I just lived a dream. That was. Uh, I'm not. I, I have chills. That may be the greatest thing to happen in my lifetime. I'm not kidding. And I'm so. I'm impressed, man. Thank you. And, and you did it. Um. Th- well, thank. I. I the. I, <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, you get that takes balls to do, man. I'm an idiot. I'm willing to embarrass myself, and uh, I'm just honored that you were willing to tolerate that bullshit. Um. Uh, what's amazing about that song is how relevant it is even today. Like that, you wrote that, I would imagine that, that was what, 78? That, that, right? That's off Pieces of Eight? No, that's on. That that's, on piece, that's on Pieces of Eight. Is it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Blue Collar Man and Renegade are on Pieces of Eight. Um, do you want to give us a little taste of Renegade since we're uh, at this album? I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman has put an end to my running and I'm so far from my home. Take it, you. Oh, mama, I, I don't know the words, Tom. I, I'm panicking. You were crying. And I'm so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Hit it!
love it. I, I uh, <laughs> that was awesome. I that was that was just awesome. Um, you know what? We skipped. The, so all right. So you joined the band. I, I, I listen. This is already exceeding my expectations. Yeah, so you joined the band. Uh, you joined the band. They, they named the first album that you were in after one after your song Crystal Ball, which had to be uh, a, a nice sign to you that you're accepted. I, and I know Tommy, you've answered these questions a million times over the forty years, and I apologize. But that had to that had to feel great that they named the first album that you're part of after one of your songs, right? You felt accepted. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was so excited to be in that band. I'd never really been in a like a pure rock and roll band before. I was, did a lot, played a lot of solo music, played a lot of uh, you know like. Uh, uh, so you're doing that and then you get called to be in a prog rock band and uh, was Sticks at that time the Equinox uh, going to Crystal Ball? Were they headlining venues, or were they still opening up for bigger bands? Well, it was a little bit of both. They they ruled Chicago, they, of course. They, and my band MS Funk, you know, we're getting twenty five bucks a week and, and run, skipping out on our bar tabs. And but we keep hearing about this band Sticks, mm-hmm. and every week you hear. Uh, Starbeat presents what's happening this week in, you know, in Arlington Heights, Sticks, and they'd play a song off their new album, and that would be okay. Then the next year, there'd be another new album, and they're still in Hoffman Estates or, you know, Downers Grove, Sticks, and there's a song from another new album. We're like, who are these guys? Right. They didn't come to our clubs. They, 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 were, doing, they were doing big dances and, you know, uh, playing, community, you know, uh, theaters and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, and I, I, I've told this story many times. We, we hated them, <laughs> uh, you know, just because, like, who are these fucking guys? And how, right. um, they can't be any good, you know, if they're not hanging out with us. And so one of the other members of the band, a couple of the guys went out one night because they found out where they were playing. They came back and they said, like, they're, they're, they're pretty fucking good. Uh-huh. Like, ah, shit. Damn it. You know? How can that be? But, um. So that, that's what I knew about them. And they had, uh, which I didn't know, they had gotten a new record label, A&M. They had a new album out, Equinox, that I didn't know about. They had a new manager who was, a, uh, he was an internationally well-known manager, knew how to deal with record labels. And so they were on an arc to, to you know, it's Equinox. Right. You know, you know Sweet Man in Blue, uh, Lorelei. <laughs> James Young singing Midnight Ride. That that was the thing that, that messed me up at the audition because I still didn't, I wasn't still yet clued into the, the amount of momentum that they had. And I was still kind of like, you better give me more than $200 a week. Otherwise, you know, I, I'm still thinking small like that. Right. I put on, I think Dennis put it on side two and played Midnight Ride and JY starts singing out. And I heard that. All those harmonies like that. And and I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I've screwed this up. I've, 
I thought that I, I was, I, cause now I want to be in the, I want to be in the band that's playing that song. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think I did. I mean, I, yeah, but they never really said you're in. They just said, go home and get your stuff, come back. I'm going to, they sent me home with uh, a few albums and a song, 13 songs to learn. Okay. So I went home and did that, brought my stuff back up and we hit the road. So they never really said you were in. Did you, no, are you we in? didn't do that. We still we, we still never told Lawrence or Ricky or Todd they're there. They don't know either. They're yeah. uh, just uh, we'll see it uh, when we uh, on the bus and uh, you, you know keep them on their toes. That's the way to do it, right? You know they and Chuck are in. We know so uh, they're they're in. Right? Uh, well, they're in. They're grandfathered in. The new yeah. guys uh, exactly keep them guessing. You uh, you know we're, if, uh, we're they don't the pull sit- their weight. We're, we're the sitting members of the band. We're right. not. The, we haven't been vetted and actually voted on. Smart, you know. Again, uh, <laughs> keep them, keep them moving. What? Um, uh, so you you do Grand Illusion comes after Crystal Ball, which of course has my what I think is the greatest stick song of all time, "Fooling Yourself." It is just uh, I, I I admittedly just as as we do when you think about lyrics of songs you put yourself i always put myself in those positions like if it's a love song you know i'm singing it to to the girl if it's a breakup song it's her singing it to me whereas fooling yourself you know is uh you know a, a cynical young man why do you see the world the way that you do and as a comedian you know we do we see the uh, we see the world cynically we we you know uh, and so that song, even when I, uh, you know, when I bought it in 77, I was 11 years old. It was like, Jesus Christ, this song's about me. How's this fucking guy know me, man? Yeah. Um, I know so, when, you're, when you're an artist, that, that, that's all part of what makes you good, though. Uh, I, I don't disagree with it. I, like, it, it's, it's all part of the layers of who we are. And uh, so what, what was the I, I'd seen a couple of different versions of, of you telling the story. Was that song originally about Dennis or was it about you at that age? Was it about somebody that doesn't even was it about anybody even knew or was it just uh, it, it, a, a song that you sat down to write? It was about a certain type of, of you know, I, I hadn't been that experience, but there was there was um, it was about a certain personality types. Mm-hmm. And there was one act that we toured with and I'm not going to say who it was. But uh, uh, he and his, he hated us. He had a good band, uh, but he hated us. They, you know, they couldn't figure out who to match us up with. And they matched us up with him. He was kind of a Southern rock guy. And uh, he just, he just fucking hated us. And, um, and he was, a, he was a miserable, he was just so miserable. He had, he had hit records. He had a new lead singer. If I told you that who it was, then you'd know who I'm talking about. He was somebody, he was a Southern guy. They, they had a hit record with him and uh but they we played about two gigs with him and uh god he just fucking hated he was rude to to jy and i was thinking what's it gonna take to make this guy happy right yeah hit records you're headlining tours you're, you're you're still going like that and you're you're the oldest guy in the band and so he was he was part of that that overall thing and i was i was I was still young and naive. Uh, I hadn't been exposed to, you know, to that many different kind of things that would just set you off. And, you know, so, so that was um, my, my observation of those kind of characters, you know, who, who have seen, appear to have everything going and it's just obviously not enough. Uh, so, and then the song just kind of wrote itself. And then, and as I said, it's become my, and I, now I can't, I can't set it up and say it's my favorite stick song of all time and not ask you to play a, a, a tad of it. Are you, yeah. would, you, would you honor us with that? 
That's how it brings me right back. Tommy, I grew up in a town called Hometown. I don't know if you ever had an experience of going to Hometown, Illinois. It is uh, just south of Chicago. In fact, we share 87th Street with Chicago. Hometown did. Uh, does. I don't live there anymore. Uh, and then on the other side is Oak Lawn, where you recorded a, a, a number of albums in Oak Lawn, Illinois, which I find fascinating because what studio is in Oak Lawn, Illinois? I mean, Pumpkin is, but, but where was it? It was on... I remember the street it was on, but it was on the south side. But were you there because? Say it again. I'm sorry. It was in in Oak Lawn. Yeah. Um, Which again, growing up in hometown, when we heard that you know, holy shit, Sticks is recording in Oak Lawn, we would ride our bikes around trying to find you guys. And uh, I got to tell you, never found you. Never, uh, never located you. But uh, not for a lack of trying. so many years later, though, Tom, I would uh, I worked at a record store. And I, I won't go into the full details on this because I've told it enough on this show and it seems unfair to tell it now. Uh, but uh, I lived not too far from uh, Prestwick, uh, which is where uh, uh, Dennis uh, may still live. Uh, and so he would come into our record store all the time and he would come in in his tour jacket and uh always found that interesting and that uh, he would he would show up in his satin paradise theater tour jacket to let you know hey dennis young's in the house um how crazy and i only bring this up for this reason how crazy was it in the or i know you mentioned the cocaine and stuff but in the early 80s when sticks let's be honest one of the top five bands in the country uh you could do anything you want was it completely crazy to be a rock star at that time, like at the, the the height of quote unquote classic rock, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. and you're it so you're fun for for the long. It's it, it's it's still fun. <laughs> it's not that kind of fun, you know. It, it's different times. Uh, we're all older and a little more settled down, but it's still just when when we go up on that stage, it doesn't. It it could be, you know, 1978 again. It's just so. And maybe even better because we appreciate, you know, we do appreciate what we have. Now. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. 
the, the musicianship and the, the uh, chops of this band, uh, you know, I, I feel so lucky to be in their presence on stage, to ha have to hear them playing when I'm singing or to be backing them up when they're singing. It's just it's unbelievable. I and I'll, I I will attest to that. There is not a time where Sticks doesn't come to Los Angeles that I don't go because of what you just said. It's you're you're seeing phenomenal musicianship. You're you know you know every song, and if you don't know the song, uh, if it's from a new album, whatever, you know, figure it out and then go buy that album, and then get to know it for the next time they come to town. Um, it's which just, it's an addictive adrenaline adrenaline rush. I mean, you just I want to go do that again. Right, and and you guys do when when, when pre pandemic, you guys are on the road a lot, right? You do uh, 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 what a hundred plus shows a year. We were doing one hundred twenty shows for ten fifteen years. Uh, we we had to cut it back to eighty, which meant you know, and then well, you get these offers. Okay, we'll do that, and then you wind up doing a, we're doing about a hundred shows. Wow, and uh, and and to your longevity, you're still playing nice size venues it's it's uh you know the, i saw you last uh, well it was the saban the last time but the, the time before it was the greek you're still performing at the greek or the time before that was at the forum so it's not like all of a sudden you're on the 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 rib fest uh tour you're still performing in uh, by the way those are all great shows too i'm not shitting yeah, on rib uh, fests. Thing is we we play where the people are and uh when i heard about that rib fest it was like what <laughs> Is this a, so somebody's cook out in their backyard? No, no, it's tens of thousands of people, and they're all happy. And they're and there's you know, there. I don't know why they call it the rib fest. I guess they have ribs, but it's the <laughs> sea of humanity. And so we once we got out and started, you know, uh, getting some variety in, in the gigs that we play. Like the summer, you you got to go out and play outside. Right. You know, fest. You, if you if you're going to be like I'm only playing arenas, you're missing out on some great shit because to be outdoors, like we we still go and play Sweden Fest. We we played there earlier. Was it early this year? Uh, Sixty thousand people outside. Jesus. And, and you know, there's something about that. Uh, we we actually we rebroadcast that uh, Sweden Rock show, and. God, I was just listening to the tracks, and it's like, man, it was on fire. So, yeah, and, and but we'll go play smaller places. We'll we switch it up, and um, doesn't really doesn't matter. Smaller audiences are are harder to play to for some reason. Why and why? It's interesting. I have this conversation with comedians all the time. I like a smaller audience because I feel like you communicate with them as, as a comedian. You could communicate with them a little bit better because it's a smaller group and you're having, a, in my opinion, you're having a conversation. So why, if you are a, a singer songwriter, as you are, why would you find it more difficult to perform for a smaller yeah, room? Yeah. I don't think harder is, it's just so personal. You can't look at them as a crowd. Ah. These individual plays a lot of, and, and, those are oftentimes just filled with these hardcore sticks fans and they're, they're never judgmental about us. They, in fact, you know, musicians, even the best of us, we, we make mistakes all through the night. They're just little ones, but you, 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 even if you kind of hear it, there's so much coming by, uh, but that's, that's the beauty of live music. You know, there's humans up there playing and singing at the same time. And, you know, you might, maybe I didn't take enough, a deep enough breath or, some, I thought about something and I, you know, we call it clams. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, it's a, if, if you really were pick, you know, there are some bands who are just so ridiculous. They don't, they're, they're clam free, but we're not one of them. 
you know, we're, we're so into it physically and just in the moment that sometimes, you know, you just, you just do it. Uh, but in a smaller theater, you know, if you're, the, the, it just, I don't know, you just want it to be perfect in mm-hmm. there. You know, you're in these places where the, these, the uh, uh, acoustics are, are fantastic and hear everything. Um, I don't know. So it's not harder. It's just a little more, you know, you just get more intense, I guess. That makes sense. And then uh, also, I would imagine the smaller venue, to your point, that maybe the clams, your word, not mine, I'm not a musician, um, maybe they stand out a little bit more than they would in a, uh, they're not as hidden as they would be in an arena. Is that is that safe to say? Yeah, definitely in an arena because it's all it's, it, there's not the the echo and the reverb of a big room. Right. Okay. Um, uh, boy, I just had another follow up question about that that I just completely forgot what it was. Hang on, you're uh, performing in a small room. You're ah, fuck it. I lost it. I'm not a good interviewer. I'm not good at this job. Um, what? Uh, go ahead. What are you playing? You got something? What are you doing? No, just 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 whittling. All right. Um, so I had a. Uh, uh, oh shit! I completely lost. I, you mentioned mistakes, and this is a, a, a sideways way to get into this. When, when Spinal Tap came out, there were the rumors that some of that was based on the Kilroy tour. Uh, is there any truth to that? that? Like there were times where maybe uh, so the projection wouldn't work or something on that 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 Christopher Guest based that on, or is that just one of those wives' tales that uh, urban legends that's gone around? You know, every band had their Spinal Tap moment. I mean, yeah. every band has been in the theater where you're downstairs and you're, and you're coming up from your dressing room and it's like, where's, where's the fucking stage door? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the opening music's playing and you're like, where's the, you know, you know and doing that Spinal Tap moment. The thing, the connection that we did have was uh, the, the part of the manager was based on our manager. And, and what did he have a... a he had a he had a cricket bat. Our manager Derek Sutton uh, was he was a big big man uh, in very good shape, and he would carry around a bullwhip, and that was his thing. What the? He fuck? was scary. With it. What and would he What would he do with it? I don't know. Just just be scary. He's like he's he's a fucking giant with a bullwhip. So you you know do what he says. Right. Uh, but uh, so that was our biggest connection. Interesting. And, and as a musician, I always get a kick out of this. When I saw it, I remember being in, in a, a theater full of people that didn't, not that I'm smarter or better than anybody, but, you know, having the comic uh, instincts. I remember going at first going, what the fuck is this? This is uh, what kind of documentary is this? These guys are a bunch of assholes. These are idiots. And then it clicked on, oh, this is a, the funniest movie I'm ever going to see in my life. As musicians, when you go and see that, are you insulted at first or you, do you immediately get on board with it because it, it actually illuminated all the nonsense that you guys deal with? Oh, yeah. There's it, there's such a ring of truth, all of it, you know, with, with the sustain on the, on the guitar and, uh, you know, turning it up to 11. This one goes to 11. Right. Uh, yeah. And the, uh, the smell of the glove, you know, these ridiculous al- album titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so they were that close to home. You know, for- yes, I, uh, I I would imagine uh, Kilroy was here. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, and, and there's, of course, that famous moment in the behind the music of you guys at that Texas festival where you're performing to like 60,000 people, uh, where it was uh, after following all these just straight rock bands and you guys have to go out and do this kind of a play before you uh, before the concert. Right. It, it, just did you beg Dennis let's not do it tonight I forget how the behind the music goes well 
it was a theater production. Right. And we had one, it might, might have had two small screens. Two in the, you know, like if you were in your movie room, it would have seemed like a big screen. In the Astrodome, this big. And so there was this production. The op- So we didn't actually play Mr. Roboto. It was in the, the opening scene. And, and uh, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful production, a very expensive movie that we had shot on film in L.A. And, um, but it was for a, a, a theater size. And so there we are in the Astrodome. And uh, I was up, in, up high in the dressing rooms in the top of the dome looking down there. And it's like, there, there, there's one of our screens like <laughs> all these these Sammy Hagar had opened up and he's got the Trans Am out there. He's got, you know, girls on stage. He's he's climbing up all over the shit. And then out walks Ted Nugent and he's climbing up all over shit. And, they're, you know, they're, you know, playing Stranglehold, and, right. I, you know, and, and they're just rocking the house. And I'm thinking, oh, God, we're going to die. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna kill us. Um, so it was very difficult going out there and playing that opening because it, people were just like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. And, and there, there had, you know, we, we had someone had tried to pass on the idea. Let's just start with blue collar man. And then that was not met with, uh, with, uh, much enthusiasm. So we just, we just went and did it, but I wound up hanging, hanging out in Sammy's dressing room all day because it was kind of tense and hours. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the bed, we were kind of circling the drain at that point, you know, as far as what we should have done that year is taking a break. But, you know, you know how it is, like right now, you're taking a year off and it's like, am I still going to be able to go do this? Right. right. But no one actually, with the experience, if, if they had had the experience, because we had, we no longer had our old manager, he would have said, Okay, assholes, you need to take a take a year off. Go do a solo album. Get the get get whatever is going on. Get it off of you so you can miss each other and come back. That didn't happen. So uh, it it just we just we just imploded. Wow, and then and then but then after that album is where the solo albums came into play. Uh, yeah, because you, you have to keep doing something. You know, like we're we've we've already completed the writing for a new Sticks album, but we can't get back together to record it. So I'm still writing. So now I'm like, well, am I writing a solo album now? You know, I can't, I can't stop it. It's, right. Did uh, you ever, um, you know, to that point of, in 84, when you and, and JY and Dennis all released solo albums, did you, and this might be an uncomfortable question, I don't mean it to be, did you ever listen to those two albums and then say to yourself, wow, those three songs, these three songs and my four songs, boy, that would have made one hell of a Sticks album. Was, sure, that, sure. All right. Uh, it was so, uh, you know, the vibes were just not good between everybody. Right. But there came a point uh, in my last solo album, uh, Ambition. Uh, I was in London and uh, Jay Y and I tried to, you know, we were starting to talk a little bit again. And I knew John and Chuck there. It was tough for them because they weren't songwriters, you know, uh, they were brothers. Um, John and Chuck are the bass player and the drummer at the time. And uh, for those that don't know. Uh, And I was in London and James Young was in London. And I said, "Um, why don't you come over to the studio, man? And I I had this song called... uh, uh, 
vocals all throughout it and i thought god this would sound good jy's voice on it right so i said jy you're you're here why don't you take a take a cab and come over to the studio and uh and and he sang it and if you if you listen to dangerous game on uh you'll hear jay it's like classic sticks vocals it really is it uh, and that, that album to your point about ambition uh, for some reason, man, was it the fact that you moved to Atlantic Records or something where it, it just got lost? I know it got some mainstream rock radio play, but that, that, that I think that album is a flawless AOR album that should have been, you know, uh, uh, happens, better received. If your first solo album isn't a home run, next. Gotcha. You kind of, you have one opportunity. And um, I was too, I was... I, I didn't really go about doing what it took to make Girls With Guns, first of all, a better record. And it's a, it's a really good record, but it's more of like a personal record. It's not like something I'm trying to have a good record. I just, I just wanted to write just some, just wanted to write and, and be free and get out, of, kind of get out of the music business, but still doing a solo record. And so, so that's what that, that was. I, and, you know, I never really, I always liked being in a band. So, mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know how much how big my heart was into being a big solo act. I was you know when we got back together as a band it was like you know and then when we got back together again as this band uh, and since then it's just been I, I'm a band guy right. I'll uh, do solo records but uh, like like I did the uh, bluegrass album uh, the Great Divide. Yeah, I, I knew the Bluegrass Music Association was not gonna say come on in rock and roll guy uh-huh <laughs> it's, i knew that and i went over uh will and i went over and performed for them in their offices and it was really good but i could see them going oh god you know, uh, you know. Uh, but there, there's good again i mean it's the songwriting there's good songs there and if you like bluegrass if, uh, at all and if you like the sound of tommy shaw you're gonna like that album it's, yeah, uh, and I, it's not like I, I was some carpetbagger. I mean, I'm I'm born in I was actually born in the same hospital as Hank Williams' daughter, and you know, so my father used to hang out with Hank Williams. We lived two blocks from from Hank's grave. We used to go out there and take Boone's Farm wine, and you know, so and I, you know, everybody knew Hank Williams' music. Wow. So when I, my when uh, when Brad Davis asked me to sing on one of his bluegrass records, he said because he'd heard me singing high. Mm-hmm. So he gave me the track and I took it and sang the high bluegrass part on it. And he was like, I didn't know you could do that. Well, you know, I, I don't go around advertising it, but yeah, I, I, I could do bluegrass music. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it, again, it's great. If you guys want to, if people out there want to uh, visit it, um, it's, it's a, if you like bluegrass, it, it's a great album. It just, uh, yeah, tons uh, of, all the great players in Nashville came and played on it. Jerry Douglas, you know, on, on Dobro. You know what? Isn't uh, is Dwight Yoakam on there and Allison Krauss, if I'm not mistaken? Are, are yeah, they yeah, both on there? on there? Allison's on there. Uh, Allison's also on your um, Seven Deadly Zens album. If she is she not? Yeah. Yeah. 
the first time I ever got to hear, you know, that voice and her, hear her harmonizing with me, my wife and I were, we, we had a little guest house that we were using for overdubs and we were in the studio listening. Both of us, like, like tears came to our eyes. Right. That, uh, that's another one of your, that I have a uh, connection to. I was on a plane once. Uh, coming back from Indianapolis, right when that album came out, I, again, 99. So it was right before I stopped drinking, I think. And um, uh, right, that, did that come out in 99? And then I was on coming back from Indianapolis, a gig, and I um, was listening to Seven Deadly Zens on the plane, and I then spilled my drink all over my uh, tray and lap, and I said to the guy next to me, oh, sorry about that, I'm a, I'm a little tired. And he goes, fuck that, you're drunk. <laughs> and he was right. I was still just drunk from the night before. And uh, another sign that my, my point is your band and your music, it caused me to drink, Tom. That's what I'm getting at. You single-handedly made me an alcoholic and I want an apology. Hey, <laughs> what can I do? I, well, nothing. No. <laughs> I, 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 I Tommy, we got to take a break. Do you have a little bit? You got a couple more minutes to stay with us? Sure. All right, let's you take a break. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're good. Okay, uh, let's take a break. Uh, break uh, when we come back. Of course, we got trivia. We'll do that real fast, and then uh, uh, maybe uh, Tommy will do a, a couple more uh, little snippets of songs for us. Uh, we got to talk about the new album, The Mission, which is now three years old. But uh, boy, when that came out, I did not shut up about it. So uh, uh, we'll talk about that, and then also I want to talk about uh, Tommy's charity uh, that he's involved with, as well as uh, uh, the Cleveland Youth Orchestra. I want to hear all about that as well. So uh, we'll be back right after this. Hey guys, Matt here with some dates for you. Tommy Shaw is on Twitter at T's Great Divide. You can also follow Sticks on Twitter at Sticks the Band, S T Y X the Band. Uh, that lets you know what's going on with them. They are eager to get back out on the road, I'm sure. Uh, it sounds like what uh, Tommy wants to be doing right now. So uh, check out uh, Sticks on Twitter and uh, find out when they can finally get back to doing that. Jimmy Pardo is also on Twitter at Jimmy Pardo. Never Not Funny is on there at Never Not Funny. Elliot is at Elliot Hochberg. Garen is at My Name is Garen. We do have a virtual live show coming up this weekend, uh, June 6th. We are at flapperscomedy.com doing playing games. We're doing a, uh, a Zoom room version of playing games. Uh, we're going to have Mike Henry in the house, I think. We're using questions he's written, at least. I hope he's going to join us. And we will have three contestants playing the game uh, with Andrea Savage as our celebrity co-host for that show. So that'll be fun. Go to flapperscomedy.com if you want to buy a virtual ticket to the virtual show and uh, that's about it for us you can uh, always find us on YouTube uh, to watch clips of the show and Jimmy's Records and Tapes that's youtube.com slash never not funny and on Facebook we are facebook.com slash never not funny enjoy uh, listen this is you You know this uh, Belknap and, and Hochberg and myself we love the factor meals in fact Garen Cockrell's gotten on board with the factor recently yeah he's into it I we, mean who wouldn't like it once you try it you go hey this is good stuff once you factor you can't go back there yeah 
It's like that old Yo Gabba Gabba song. Try it. You'll like it. I never was on board with Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> and nothing has changed as I've gotten older. Yeah. In the, in I, the I 16 imag- years since I've watched it, I've not gotten on board. I imagine it do- doesn't age well. It was very of the moment and very I think it was hipster. very of the pre-meme. Like, I think it was hipster even prior to me. What? Like before I had a kid, it, oh, yeah, it, it sure. was prior to Oliver's where I don't I don't know if it's even still around. I hope not. We don't have time to talk about it. <laughs> what's no, going on. With we're here America. to talk about factor. Yeah. Although, you know what? Pop a factor into the microwave. Two minutes later, this baby's ready. Uh, you sit down. Watch some Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> sure. Enjoy your factor. Yeah. Right. Get in there. Get the wiggles out. That's somebody else. Right. No, that, oh, no that's them. Get your sillies out. Get your sillies out. Yeah. Wiggles are another kid's thing. Yeah. And those guys, I got no, I got no truck with those guys. Good. Uh, they've got over 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Various different, you know, look, if you want chicken, they got chicken. You want a beef thing, they got beef thing. You want to bump up to a to a gourmet meal, they got mm. filet mignon. Mm. They've got, uh, they, they had lobster the other day. Oh, my God. Oh, they got all this, all sorts of things over that. there. They got delicious things over there. Head to factormeals.com slash part 050. Use code part 050 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That is code Pardo50 at factormeals.com slash Pardo50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor, good food, fast. Hey, sometimes you find yourself at the, the wallet missing a couple of bucks. Now, who, did somebody steal it or what's going on over there? It doesn't matter how you're missing the bucks. Money might be a little tight. That's where earning comes in, Matt. Yeah, earning. Earnin's there if you got a last minute gift for a loved one, an unexpected trip to the vet. I've seen a lot of that on uh, uh, social media, by the way, people saying, "Oh, I had to spend the night at the at the pet vet." Yeah, people like using the phrase "pet vet," even though "vet" covers "pet." I mean, what other? Are you, are you at the wild animal vet? Yeah, you could be visiting a, a soldier. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I think people. I, I think they like the sound of pet vet. It does sound fun? It is fun to say. I get it. Uh, but nobody's pointing out that they're at the pet vet for fun. So uh, that's a good point. Yeah, why are they? Yeah. Why are they being uh, capricious or uh, silly with their? Very you know, serious issue. You know, capricious say. <laughs> uh, now, listen, This is here's the important thing. Earn-in is there because the, the point is you're not at the pet vet at three in the morning going, oh, good, I get to spend X amount of money right. uh, that I don't have. That's where earn-in jumps in. Yes. Uh, earn-in is an app that gives you access to your pay-as-you-work, up to $100 a day, up to $750 per pay period. Yeah. So it gives you a little goose if you need it. Yeah, it's, but you're, you're making the money by going to your job and working every day. They're just saying, hey, we can get you that money a little bit sooner than the, than the paycheck arrives. That's exactly right. Now, over three and a half million people are already uh, saying things like, when I I think about earning i think about financial stability security it gives me a lot of peace of mind that's what they're saying they say it like that yeah they, i would think there'd be a little more uh, excitement no, these, these are people that uh, you, you know when they're giving a testimonial they're caught off guard and they're, then they, they're not comfortable in front of a microphone exactly these are right. not professional these broadcasters like we are yeah, they, they they sound stilted but that's real that's genuine thank you man again it gives them peace of mind <laughs> uh hey download earning today that is spelled e-a-r-n-i-n and that's in the google play or apple app store when you download the earn it app type in never not funny under podcast please when you sign up it'll help the show let them know who said to you there who directed you there once again put in never not funny under podcast subject your available earnings location daily max and pay period max c earning.com slash tos for details earning is a financial technology company not a bank bank products are issued by evolved bank and trust member fdic earning it's your money get it now Hey, everybody, welcome back to the program, episode 2614. Tommy Shaw of Sticks is with us. Uh, we've been talking about his solo career for a, a good portion of the, uh, of the last segment, but uh, we got to, I just want to touch base real fast about Damn Yankees, which um, 
high enough was a huge hit for you guys. Uh, how does that? Well, well, there it was. Uh, that's, a, that's a sample of high enough. And apparently, uh, Ted Nugent won't uh, allow Tommy to do anything more than that chord. Uh, and, uh, oh, go ahead. You want to do it? Give us a little taste. I'll sing Jack Blade's part because he's not. I don't hear about Yankees uh, went to, I want to say, number three on the chart. Um, how does Damn Yankees happen, Tommy? You're already in a group like Sticks. You're, you, obviously, the solo thing is happening. How does that super group, uh, Ted Nugent, which, uh, look, on paper, I don't see you and Ted Nugent ever being in the same room together, let alone uh, being in a band together. How do you two, the guy from Night Ranger, how does that happen? Well, we were both on Atlantic at the same time. He was doing, I think, if you can't lick him, lick him. I think that was his his album and I had ambition. So we both wound up at this convention, uh, like a radio convention down at the Fountain Blue in, in Miami. So Ted and I are sitting there next to each other and we've met each other over the years. And, um, and we're listening to these, these heads of the companies talking about, uh, don't have to worry about digital music. They'll never make a digital player small to, to put in your car. You don't have to worry about any of that. Turns out that wasn't necessarily so. Yeah. <laughs> music, you know, then oh, there, there goes all your music out there for free. Uh, it was it was it was great though. It was, we, it was nice to see you, Ted. A few weeks later, uh, Bud Prager, who was my manager at the time, and I was living in New York, he said John Collander called and he said um, he'd like to get you and Nugent together, see what happens. And I had a band in New York, a solo band, and. Michael Cardelloni was in that band. Uh, and so he, he came to New York and Michael and uh, Norm Daler, uh, the bass player from Kansas City who was playing with us, Jack, uh, no, it wasn't Jack, and me and Michael Cardelloni got together with Ted and Ted was courting, he came in all fancy, he had nice hair and le- uh, you know, leather boots, you know, not the usual Ted and flip-flops and socks and, you know, uh, and Turns out he was he was courting Shemaine, so he was trying to make a good impression of her. So, uh, so he had that on his mind, and um, 
and I was in just goofing around. And Ted went and he wrote that first verse. He said, I was alone or cruising with the wind. I wasn't looking when you pulled me in. I, I, I had to leave you uh, like I always did. I knew damn well I'd come again. You knew damn well I'd come again. And I was like, hey, Ted Nugent wrote those lyrics? Right. <laughs> so, so I sat down and just started working on it. And, uh, and we had come again. We kind of fleshed it out as a, as a band. And that was our first damn Yankee song. Come again was your, wow. And then Jack Blades comes along, comes to my house, and within an hour, he and I rode high enough. He's downstairs doing laundry. I, I was living on a, in a brownstone on uh, 89th Street on the Upper West Side. You know, the laundry's down in the basement, and uh, I hear him down there singing, I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's a shame. Like, and I'm going, and, you know, so I went back and, and, and I had piano sitting right there. So I, I did that. So I, I wrote that part. I was like, Jack, come here, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within, within an hour, we had high enough. And that was just day one. Jesus Christ. So you got come again. But we we all knew, you know, we had, had a keyboard on it. And we're going, Ted's, he, he's not going to like that. He hates keyboards. He will shoot a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we had it all you know what are we going to do with this song and uh we, we were in rehearsal with him one day and he and he said all it needs is a is some of that you know with his electric guitar yeah. and he was right it needed that it needed some grit to it and yeah, he yeah. Applied all that well, it worked. I mean, I, I, again, on paper, the three, uh, to your point, Ted Nugent wrote those lyrics. I mean, he's the guy that wrote Wang Dang Sweet Poontang. So who would have thought that Come Again would uh, would come out of that same head? So uh, it's, it's uh, what love, love will do that to a man. I guess it will. And so uh, he, um, uh, do you, again, you don't have to answer this kind of question. Do you stay in touch with him? Do you see that? Do you think he's gone out of his skull? Where, where are you at with Ted Nugent these days? We all accept each other for who we are, and we love each other. We we get on uh, we get on threads, uh, text threads all the time. Okay, all the friggin' time. Michael Cardelloni, he was like the documentarian, documentarian, uh, or documentarian. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so he's always posting photos or sending us photos. But I don't even remember us taking that photo. Uh, but thank God he did keep all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and we still love each other. We run into each other every once in a while. I, I sang high enough with Night Ranger uh, summer before, before last, or was it last summer? Might have been last summer. You know, I just talked about that on the last show. What were we talking about? Oh, George Michael and Elton John. I, like, I always, uh, when I moved to LA, I always envisioned artists would, would join each other on stage more than they actually do. So uh, I once saw you guys, I forget who I saw. It was at the, again, at Universal. And then uh, Ted and Jack, I guess it was a stick show. Ted and Jack joined you guys or vice versa. And uh, I remember the audience going bananas because it's, it's always a great surprise when, holy shit, Don Henley just joined Stevie Nicks. How amazing is this? Like, yeah, it's always great. We, we, uh, we got together uh, at Alice Cooper's uh, Christmas pudding. It was when, oh God, when it was when Bush was still president and vice president sitting in the front row. It was, it was amazing. Wow. 
Um, hey, sorry. So my son has come into the room. So here's here, Tommy. Here's our topic for. Uh, and again, my my 12 going on 13 year old son Oliver uh, writes the question. Uh, what I'm going to call you in here to read the question. Don't you? I got Tommy Shire. Don't make me look the fool. <laughs> um, Oliver, you Oliver, come on in. Here we go. Come on. Uh, wow, Oliver, you've grown, man. <laughs> hey, man. Remember Tommy? Yeah, hi. Dude, how are you? Good, how are you? How are you handling being home so much? Uh, it's, it's all right. Um, uh, with school, I kind of, I would always kind of be just in a room for a long time, so that part yeah. is fine. So, yeah. And you get, your dad's an entertainer, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right it's all right being here with me right yeah uh-huh uh all right so tell them tell me why don't you go ahead tell them what the topic is okay the topic is music all right okay so the topic is music so now tommy you're going to be betting in your head or and eventually you'll tell us anywhere between zero and 25 points um on how well you think you're going to do on this and then the question is as follows wait hang on let me write down my my bets uh i'm gonna go with that okay Zero to 25. All right, Oliver, go ahead and read the... Why are you so dressed up today, by the way? Do you have like a little meeting or something? Yeah, I have for school here. Oh, okay. Looks very nice. Oh, thank you. Uh, so... Yeah. Okay. Which organization tried to sue a band in 1979 for their name being used in a song? So you're trying to guess the company, and they tried to sue a band in 1979... Because the band used the company's name in a song. Or the organization's name in a song. Wow. That's a great question. That's a great question. It's a great question, man. Okay, so it's an organization. Uh, or as my son says, an organization. Uh, <laughs> you got the, I know you have that, it's funny, you have that, like the little bit of a Chicago, Southside Chicago guy. Ah, the organization, Jim. Those guys got the organized down there. Okay, you got me. That is a, man, that's a question, Oliver. Jesus. I, I know. Um, all right, uh, Elliot, what do you got? Uh, I'm sorry, I go to Garen first. Garen, what do you got? Yeah, Garen. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to say the uh, uh, police union. Uh, I don't know what that is called. The cops. Cops union. Cops union? All right. Yeah, something like that. Elliot, what do you got? All right, well, I, I feel like I might be wrong just because Oliver said a company... But I'm going with YMCA. The YMCA. Oh, that's oh a you're good not answer. hearing this. Yeah, right that's here. a really good answer. That's uh, so, a great uh, answer. Garen said the police association or something, and then uh, Elliot said uh, the YMCA, which is a good one. Uh, Matt, what do you got? I'm 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 completely stumped. I was trying to think of any song from that year that has a name of a band, a name of a company in it. Um, so I'll, I'll just say Ford. Tommy, anything? Cracker Barrel? <laughs> the very litigious Cracker Barrel. <laughs> we were down at the Cracker Barrel wondering uh, I, what to eat. I got caught up in an organization that said Teamsters, but then Elliot's point about it being a company. Um, Jesus I, I am I am very confident that Elliot is correct. You think you think so? You think it's YMCA? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to read the answer? Uh, sure. Holy shit. Well, yeah, it's Cracker Barrel. <laughs> it's YMCA. Yeah, good job, Elliot. Nice. Yeah, yeah Elliot. Wow. wow. Jesus. How, uh, all right, thanks, dude. Yeah, all right. No all right, see you later. Say goodbye. Bye. 
Thanks, Elliot. Uh, uh, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you stay at the Cracker Barrel. Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, Tommy, before we scram, let's talk a little bit about Rock to the Rescue. Uh, you were kind enough to help us with our charity a few years back, and don't think I'm not going to hit you up on it again uh, if we're ever able to do it again. Um, but tell us about Rock to the Rescue real fast, uh, the organization that you started with uh, with REO. Yes, it, it, it came about uh, right after uh, the attack on the World Trade Center. And like I imagine every one of you, when it happened, you're thinking – what can I do? What, what is there to do? And um, so we started asking that of ourselves and Charlie and um, started talking to friends. It turns out that the, uh, you know, the, the New York City Fire Department and the New York City Police Department was were getting lots and lots of, of support and attention. There's another police department called the Port Authority Police Department, and they were headquartered in one of the towers that went down. They were a small force of about 600 people, you know, and uh, so that it was personal to them. Uh, I think they lost like 39 people out of their, their force. So they, they, they knew every one of them. So, and then, and then it turns out a friend of mine in Los Angeles was good friends with uh, someone who was just retired from, from there and uh, it moved to Florida. And so we, next thing you know, we're, we're okay. We're going to support them. And so, uh, well, before all this happened, when I was talking to Charlie, so is, what can we do? And he said, call Kevin Cronin and, and maybe, maybe we can get sticks and REO to do a uh, benefit concert for them. So I called Kevin and he was like, man, I'm in, I'm sure my guys will be in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was enough right there to, to have a concert. Uh, and then Charlie, we start, let's just see who else, anybody else would want to be involved. And so everybody we asked said, yes. And so we had this gigantic show, Skinner and Journey and Bad Company and us and Kansas and, uh, you know, leaving out a lot of people, Foreigner. And uh, so then we wound up having a second one over across the river in Brennan Byrne Arena. And um, and so we, we raised three quarters of a million dollars for the Port Authority Police Department. Wow. And they made sure that no one took a cut out of it. Um, and the day came to write the check, and I, I was I was there, and um, so let's go down to ground zero and let's give them the check. And um, so, in, in in order to do that, though, we, we had to have a name, and we called it Volunteers for America. Well, it turns out there was already a Volunteers for America, but considering what was going on, they gave us a break. That's how um, that's how we came up with uh, Charlie came up with the name Rock to the Rescue, our manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been that ever since. And we we went through all the paperwork and all the licensing and everything you have to do to become. It's called a five hundred one c three. That's right. le- that legitimately allows you to collect money and to distribute money. As a, and you know when you're when you're doing a, uh, a uh, you know you're trying to raise money, you can people can donate under that. They, it's it's legitimate and you have to be responsible for that and you have to make sure that the people you're giving that money to, you have to follow up on it and see if they've done it. So it's when, when you see somebody that has a legitimate uh, charity like that, they're, you know, nine times out of 10 there, it's everything's legit. On mm-hmm. And that's, that's how it happened. But the, the day came where I got to go down with, uh, uh, 
you know, some other people, to my manager, and down to ground zero, got to meet the guys all working down there, clearing the space, and stood out there where the president had just stood the day before and um, handed that check to George Lawrence. And he and I looked at each other in our eyes, and we were both, like, eyes red, and it's like, and he and I are, we are best friends for life. Oh, wow. We call each other on Christmas, and because it's, it's, it was just one of those things, you know? Right. Uh, uh, but we've done, we have raised a lot of money. Uh, we, we support a lot of different, uh, a lot of uh, uh, things like animal shelters and, and food banks and uh, wounded, wounded warriors and children's hospitals and things like that. So we wound up with uh, Shriners coming out to help us. And uh, mostly, we, a lot of times, it'll be a grassroots organization, like a small uh, animal shelter or something. So mm-hmm. we'll get them to come out and we'll sell raffle tickets. And at the end of the night, there'll be a drawing. And the person who wins the drawing gets assigned sticks, you know, Stratocaster. Wow. So it's, it's fun for everybody. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Stick around. He says, stick around. As soon as the band finishes, I'm going to come out and draw the, the thing. So, and I've, I've, I've met so many people backstage after the show and they're holding that guitar and it's like, this is, this, we had a lot of fun and we, this was probably the biggest donation that organization got all year. Right. Well, that's wonderful. And I, obviously, uh, you know, because of our association with Smile Train, we know from raising money. And so uh, I thank you for, for doing that. And, and it's, I think it's always great when somebody's able to give back like that. You know, you've had this great success of this career and you've achieved, you know, I, I assume you've achieved every dream that you thought you would as a musician. And then now you're able to be on the other side of it and go, you know what, I've got everything. And now I'm going to help and give back. And my daughter, my daughter uh, is an animal rights advocate, and uh, uh, she has she's a best-selling New York uh, New York Times bestseller now with, with her books that she's written about uh, uh, you know wh- how to take care of, of uh, feral kittens that are abandoned and, and raise them all up to, to the point where you can have them adopted. Uh, she has a children's book with that, and uh, she's 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 called the Kitten Lady. If you look up Kitten Lady. You'll see that's definitely my daughter. She's, you know, she got, uh, you know. And her name is Hannah, if I'm not mistaken, right, Hannah? Yeah. And uh, she, has, she has her own uh, uh, 501c3, and it is, it's, she's raises tons of, of money, and she started doing grants, and uh, she's, she puts her money where, where her, her heart is. That's great. That's, uh, and if anybody knows, uh, if you know this show, I'm deathly allergic, but boy, do I love a kitty cat. Oh, do I wish I could have a little kitty cat in this house, but uh, allergies don't allow it. I get awakened by our little munchkin cat, Harold, every morning. The best. I just, with little faces. Um, Tommy, a couple, two more things before I let you run. Uh, I I mentioned before we went to the break about the Cleveland Youth Orchestra. I, I find it fascinating that both you as a solo artist and Sticks have done shows with them. Uh, how did that association come to be? Uh, Liza Grossman, who, who founded the Contemporary Youth Orchestra. Uh, oh, it's called Contemporary Youth Orchestra. Not the, I'm yeah. sorry, I keep saying the Cleveland Youth, but it's in Cleveland. I'm, I'm not wrong about that, I hope? It's in the Cleveland area. Okay. They, they, they pull from 50, over 50 schools. You have to, I think it's from, um, you know, very young kids, kids can sing in the chorus. The oldest they usually have is 18 years, you know, like, like graduate, when they graduate. Uh, but they have to be, they have to have good grades in their school. They have to be in the school uh, band or orchestra. So 
that's they have to be that before they can audition to be in CYO. So uh, these these young musicians are just ridiculous. Uh, I did a show with them where we played. It was just it was like a greatest hit show or greatest favorite songs of mine, and uh, it was it it got played a lot on Access TV and it's mm-hmm. out there. Um, and we're doing something that's something that's in the works right now with uh, with this year's uh, CYO orchestra. And it's all it's just being post produced now, and it's this kind of a thing. Oh, and great! Doing one of my songs where I played it, and then I sent it to Liza. She she did a thing where she's conducting, and and it's going to be like eighty five musicians on the screen playing and singing, and it's you know it's just, it's just so amazing to be you know be amongst that that new fresh talent. Right. And how did how did you find them or did they find did they reach out to you to do these shows or did you uh, did you Eliza Eliza called Charlie and said, what if would Sticks want to do something with them? Okay, And and so he asked J.Y. and me and we took to the band and they were like, let's check it out. So we, we said we would do it and we picked a date at Blossom venue in Cleveland and uh, and then. Uh, so they rehearse every uh, with the orchestra every Tuesday there, uh, and so we've every week one of us would fly down and listen to the arrangements and give them notes and go okay this is that should have been this this should be that, and uh, little by little we got all, all the arrangements worked out and then we had this show at, at Blossom and it was there there's uh, there's a whole it's probably I think there's an album of that yeah but there's there's one song if you look up sticks and the song just be uh, it's a song it was like an in-between albums song but it's one of my favorite sticks songs and and it's my favorite performance of it with okay. uh, it sounds like it sounds like we went in the studio and recorded it you yeah, know yeah um uh, and i believe that is on the album right and, and i know there's the video on youtube of that for sure yeah, my favorite thing is the video uh yeah it's really uh it's really cool so well that's great i'm glad that uh, again i'm glad that you you do that because I imagine that's a thrill for those kids. Probably even probably a bigger thrill for their parents. That yeah, it's uh, for everyone. You know, right? just parents are proud, and the kids are so focused. I mean, you see it in their faces. They're and they're they're delivering the mail. I'm talk, I mean, these arrangements are not uh, you know for for like uh, amateurs. Right. Kids are orchestra level professional uh, young musicians and just r- ridiculous chops and focus and. You know, it's it's such it's such a, uh, you know, I, I felt really honored. That's great. Um, yeah, and it's it, and again, it's worth watching if you want to hear you know your favorite stick songs done with an orchestra. That is a, it's a great video. Uh, to, and to and she's she is our guest conductor whenever we go and play with an orchestra. We were oh. supposed to be playing uh, with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, like right about now, now. and she yeah. was going to come down and. and uh, but we'll we'll reschedule that and go. Yeah, of course. Uh, everything will be twenty twenty one. We'll all be back. We'll all be back out there, and we'll all be doing it. But in the meantime, let's two things. Then we'll we'll go. Uh, the mission, uh, which came out in two thousand seventeen, is um, uh, these guys heard me talk about it enough about how I it was one of those albums where I would play it and then it's over and I play it again and then it's over and I play it again and then it's over and I play it again. It's a magic. And, 
It really is. It's a uh, and it it's a it's very much a sticks record, but it's also very much a Tommy Shaw record. It's really great. Yeah. No one ever asked you running out of time? Uh, no, not at all. I, I, I... Money and trade, the worst case scenario days. Well, I can't find a reason to tossed out and lost in the fray. Now the red storm is closing in. We can't do this. Let it be. First of all, thank you. I apologize for being distracted. Apparently, UPS is here to pick up the chair that I'm using at the moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, I, it's, it's not ready to be picked up. I did not schedule it to be picked up. I have no idea that, that, that they were coming to get it. Uh, Tommy, I told the story before we got on the uh, before we had you join us. I went out and bought a new chair and uh, I hate it with a passion. Uh, it's, uh, but apparently uh, they're here to take it back. And uh, I, again, I, I, sorry, I did not mean to be disrespectful while you're playing that song. I just couldn't understand why everybody was running into this room in a panic. Um, I've been distracted by much stranger things. It was uh, <laughs> insane. Uh, anyway, listen to the uh, to the mission. It's a great record. Uh, I got to imagine you guys have you've mentioned that uh, you guys are writing and everything's moving forward. You got a new sticks record coming out soon, I would imagine. Well, we have to get everybody into Nashville to record it. And no one wants to fly right now. Of course. Mm. Right. Uh, we don't want them to fly. So, um, but, but Blackbird Studios, uh, it, that's where we do our, you know, our tracking. Um, they're, they've opened back up. Okay. So they're available. Uh, so now we just have to, you know, it might be, might be where Ricky and Todd ride a, a bus up here, you know, and the bus takes them back. So because we, we do not want to get them sick and we don't want to. Um, right. I mean, that's just I uh, to add to, to, you know, the problem. That's uh, so exactly we'll, we'll get done. Well, I look forward to it. Um, uh, before we scrap, first of all, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for your help with the uh, smile trainer a few years back. And as I said, I will definitely uh, reach back out and have you uh, join us again if you have the time or uh, remember it's for charity. You might uh, 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 keep that in mind as opposed to my bullshit. Um, before we go, Tom, will you give us a um, uh, we can go out on this. Uh, a little bit of girls with guns uh, before we scram. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I, and I'll say goodbye to everybody now. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay safe out there. Um, we'll see you next time. On behalf of the Pop Culture Reads, there's Garen Cockrell. Behind Video Village, it's Elliot Hopeberg. Holding down the headquarters, that's the honcho Matt Belknap. Our friend Tommy Shaw. Uh, Going to take us out. Uh, AK-47, gone, not forgotten. Thanks, everybody. Here we go, Tommy. <laughs> I'll tell you now
jumping back in here i know we've already said goodbye and i'm gonna say goodbye again probably uh but we are uh, uh, now going to we uh need to go around and do our scores and stuff for the trivia which um uh we need to uh well we really just need elliot's score because he got it right oh so yeah no, it doesn't matter so what, I, what we i bet do. 10 but i'm just curious though how uh, what everybody else bets because uh, it was music uh, i bet 19 oh the heart castle what'd you go with garen i went with 15 and I went with 17. So I wow. went, uh, uh, but that was a, I wonder what the story is behind that YMCA. I guess that they sued mm-hmm. the village people. Was that 79? It's got to yeah. be. Well, they, it doesn't have to be when it came out. It just has to be when they decided to sue. Uh, you know what? Oliver, oh, he ripped it up. He had a little notes, but I think, uh, I think he got a little nervous. Um, <laughs> so uh, my, my main concern, of course, is, uh, is what's happening to my lead. So, uh, Garen, can you give us an update on the, uh, oh, the season well, long? This, chis- this chisels into it. No question about that. Absolutely. Jimmy, you're at 19. That a boy, the heart castle. I'm at 12. That a boy, I'm ahead of you. It's all that matters. That's all I the guest overall is at 15. All right. We don't know what Tommy bet because we didn't ask him, but he didn't get any points anyway. So it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Matt. You have 53. Elliot, you have 38. Okay. I'm catching up on you, buddy. <laughs> okay. Is it safe to say that Garen and I have no shot at winning this thing? Uh, no, because there's still half a season left. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, Elliot, you get $5 out of the Jeremy Herbal uh, trivia tin. So that, Fantastic. Uh, and when we're back in the studio, uh, put your gloves on and take your money. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's it, right? We're done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, okay. Uh, boy, you had a look on your face like there was going to be more. Uh, all right. Well, once again, we thank Tommy Shaw for joining us. On behalf, look at him down there. There's the Pop Culture Beast. Uh, before I get into that, everybody stay safe. Um, um, and uh, Oh, didn't we want to tell them about the little, that we're going to put a little outtake uh, at oh, the end here. Thank you. Of course. That was the look uh, it, on my face, by the way. I just, I was waiting. I thought you had it, so I was going to wait. No, I didn't have it. I'm, I, I'm grateful. So while we were t- taking our, our second break, Tommy told us a story uh, that um, I thought was uh, great. And uh, so we are going to tag that on uh, at the end here. So I'll say goodbye, and then we'll have that story. Is that how this is going to work? Yeah. 
All right, there we go. See, we worked it all out on the air, uh, letting you guys see the sausage get made. Because <laughs> then Thanks. Not cool, Garen. I'm, my allergies are going fucking bananas today. Jimmy's running a tight ship over here, and you got to <laughs> fuck it up with that. I, I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. I'm here with the pop culture beast. There he is down there sneezing up a storm. The uh, the allergy one. That's Garen Cockrell. Uh, behind Video Village, that's a cinnamon stick. That's our friend Elliot Hochberg holding down the, uh, the, the ones and twos at headquarters. That's the honcho Matt Belknap. Our new friend Tommy Shaw of Sticks. I'm Jimmy Pardo. Stay safe, you guys. We'll see you next time on the podcast. AK-47, gone, not forgotten. By the way, thank you again for uh, when we saw you at the Saban. My son just, it, it made his, it, it was right before the pandemic, but it made, you know, it made his year yeah. already. And uh, he well, just you was, know, I, I, I tell people, you know, like, like I did you, I said, just call. You can call at the last minute. Was, you know, and, and no one, I don't think they believe me. But, you know, when you're when you're a friend, that's what friends do. You want to see your friends. And so they're at the back door. Let them in, for God's sake. Uh, Irving Azoff wouldn't let Bob Dylan in when we were playing the, the Kilroy thing at the um, at the Pantages Theater. It was raining. And uh, and said, George says, there's somebody out here at the back door. So he's, he wants you to let him in. I got there in a guy in a hat. It's raining. He says, you know, uh, can I come in and see the show? And he's like. Do you have a ticket? No, he said, I'm, I'm Bob Dylan. He's going, yeah, right. And and slam the door on. Jesus. And uh, I, the only reason I know that is a few years later, uh, we went to see, who was it? We went to see um, Van Morrison at Pantages. Uh, and we knew we knew the promoter. And uh, so it was Todd and his, his uh, someone he was dating at the time, before he was married, uh, our drummer. And then Jeannie and me, and uh, and Ron, the promoter, came to us. He said, "You guys want to come back after the show and meet Van?" And we're like, "Yes." Yeah. So uh, so we got to go back and meet Van Morrison that night. And I, there was a point to this story, uh, but now that I'm thinking about going to see Van Morrison, that's kind of the point. Um, <laughs> so we we went. We did. We got to go meet Van Morrison. I, I, I cornered him in his dressing room, you know, like like I hate to get done to me, but I couldn't right. <laughs> my Van Morrison, you know, all, all that stuff. Of course. It's, uh, I'm glad to hear that it still excites you. Oh, I know. I know the point was. Go. So um, so uh, Delsner, calls, he's in, in the balconies. I mean, you know, Jack Nicholson's there, uh, just crazy guest list. He looks up, he says, come on. And there's this one long set of stairs. So I start walking up the steps just, and down come the stairs. It's Bob Dylan. And uh, I, was, I was like, Bob Dylan. He said, you're in that band with Terrible Ted. I said, I, said, I love that album. I'm thinking, Bob Dylan's got my album? And I think I might have soiled myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, did you try to get into a stick show and you got, got locked up? He said, yep. Like, I, can't <laughs> I can't believe it. That's insanity. Yeah, so it was, I mean, who gets validation like that? That was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It uh, From one of the best, Jesus Christ. 
Love Never Not Funny? For a second episode every week and video of every episode, plus bonus perks, sign up for a Platinum subscription at NeverNotFunny.com. Never Not Funny is executive produced by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap. Video production by Elliot Hopeberg. Production assistance by Garen Cockrell. Music by Daver and Watch It Burn. Copyright 2020, Never Not Funny, LLC. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.